important why because God wants to reveal himself through you to other people and through other people to you in community so if you're finding yourself hey I'm not really connected take a step of faith if you are connected then praise God now I always tell people this when it comes to community community is messy you know why because we are messy community is messy because you're hard to love and so am I but that's the beauty God he's the God of the mess we shouldn't be afraid of it getting a little messy Most of us are familiar with the gospel message that it would be difficult to imagine hearing Jesus' plan as a disciple directly from Him. It would have been difficult to swallow. As we'll hear in today's message, it was hard for Peter to understand. Pastor Daniel will explain how we react the same way because we're so set on what we think God has planned for us, we don't listen to what He does have planned. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 16, verse 17, with his continuing study entitled, It's All Jesus' Fault. We're a family of faith. Now, not only are we a family of faith, but we're fully engaged, which means that there's not one of us who does not have an integral role to play in the family. You know, listen, when there's a newborn, the newborn takes precedence. And you know what? That's her job in a family. A newborn takes precedence. A newborn gets a lot of the energy and time, right? But isn't it beautiful when you have a new baby, even when she gives you that look and you know what's going to happen? It's like a cute thing, right? Because at different points in your life, different things are acceptable and different things are not. But what that means is that because Jesus is real, we're a family and everybody adds in what their part is. Everybody has a role to play. And what do we do? Because we're a family of faith fully engaged, we're transforming our community and our world. Because God is doing a work in us, we're doing a work in the world. God transforms us so we can transform not only our community, and we all have communities, whether they're school communities or work communities or neighborhoods, or you're a soccer family, or you're a baseball family, or you're a NASCAR family, or you're a fishing family, or you are a couch potato family. Everyone's got a community that God wants to transform, and the world. So that's who we are. Now, now with that, our values, and you guys have all heard this, we call this Dr. Mister. We're D-R-M-R. Now, it's not because Mister, it's gender specific. We just didn't have an S to put on the end. So if it was an S, we'd call it Dr. Mrs. But it was just D-R-M-R, that everything we do at Crossroads is meant to be devotional, because we're Bible people. We believe in being devoted to the Lord. We are are we're relational because we're family face we need to be in relationship with one another m we are missional which means we want to partner with god in the work he's doing in the world and r we are reproducible which means that everything we do here is meant to build up people to take the next step with jesus now why do i bring all this out because everything we're trying to do as a church is dr mister In a lot of ways, Crossroads has always been doctor, devotional and relational. And at different points, there's been an important thrust to to be missional, to get off the campus. One of the things that we've done is we've asked all of our groups to launch out 
into the community. Instead of meeting on campus, meet off campus. And what's interesting is as we've done that, for those groups we've had, they've all come back and said, thank you. I see what you guys, you've been talking about this. Thank you for encouraging us to go off campus. Because you know what? Not only do we want to relate with one another and study the Bible, we actually want to reach our neighbors. We want to reach people off the campus. And it's been fun watching people come back who are like, I don't really like the idea and I really like meeting on campus. And they go do it. And they're like, we get it now. Because now all of a sudden we're not meeting on campus. We're meeting all these people in coffee shops. We're meeting people at restaurants and all this stuff, which is exactly what Jesus came and died and rose again that we do. That we go reach people in Jesus' name. And we want everything to be reproducible, which means we want every leader to reproduce more leaders. So we don't just want someone leading a Bible study for 20 years. We want someone leading a Bible study who subsequently raises up leaders over 20 years. Because it's, that's what the Bible calls what? Discipleship. That's what it's called. It's everybody taking the next step with Jesus, growing and learning, learning how to lead. And so everything we do as a church, we're simply responding to Jesus because Jesus is real. We're a family of faith fully engaged, transforming our community and our world. And we do everything with Dr. Mister. So if you've been around here, you hear all this stuff all the time. But I just thought it was important just to restate it because we could. To lay a foundation for where we're going. Because Jesus is real, all this is happening. Now because of that, as we pick up in verse 17, now Jesus starts talking about the church. Look at what he says. When Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you, that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. And so what you have now, because they say you're the Messiah, the Messiah needs a church. God in flesh wants a people who are his own. And we have all these little details about what the church is. I want you to notice first, he says in verse 17, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. Now that word bar, when you, we say the word bar, you either think of like a steel bar or you think it's a place where you maybe shouldn't go to have beverages, but you could go to reach people with the gospel. That's what we think about bar. The word bar in Hebrew literally means the son of. So, Simon Bar-Jonah, Simon, the son of Jonah. Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Now, you know what that word revealed in the Greek is? Yeah, you guys, well, you guys didn't bring your Greek New Testaments? Slacking on the word of God? No. The word revealed is actually the Greek word apocalypsis, which we get our word apocalyptic which means that we are apocalyptic. That's a pretty powerful, isn't it? We are apocalyptic. Now, I know when I say the word apocalyptic, you guys always think of what? The end of the world, right? And as I always like to say, God invented Bruce Willis for the end of the world. Because every time it's like an end of the world scenario, we just thank God for Bruce Willis, right? Because Bruce, no matter what the situation is, when Bruce is around, all is well, right? No? You guys are like, I don't know what you're talking about, Fusco. That's okay. I've watched too many movies in my life. You have to pray for me. But literally, it's like, when we think of the word, the apocalypse, we think of the end of the world, but the word doesn't actually mean that at all. 
Really, Revelation chapter 1 verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ is literally the apocalypsis. The idea of revelation literally means when someone gives you a present and you open the top to look what's inside, that is apocalypsis. It's revealing. It's receiving revelation. And so when he says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven, he's saying, look, Peter, you're right. Nobody taught this to you. My Father in heaven revealed this in and through you. That's why I say the church is meant to be the place where God reveals himself in people and through people to each other and to the world. So it's a kind of a cool thing that the church is designed to be apocalyptic, that we are meant to be the place where God reveals himself in people and through people. So because of that, I have an action step for you. Because we are apocalyptic, you need to be in community with one another. You need to be in community with one another. Now, why do we say be in community? Well, not only because it's our middle name, Crossroads Community Church, but community is a group of relationships, lives that are intertwined with one another. And so we want, as a very large church, we want Crossroads to be like Portland. It's a big city, but it's got a small town feel. We want Crossroads to be a big church with a lot of small town feels because we are in community with one another. Now, you have to ask yourself, am I in community with other believers? If you go to Second Saturday and you're serving, you're going to meet all sorts of people. If you go to women's ministry, if you're involved in a group, all these different things. If you're a greeter, if you're an usher, if you do kids ministry or, or student ministry, or if you're involved with young adults, or if all these different ways. And if you engage yourself in those things, you're going to start rubbing elbows with people, getting to know people, and they become your community. And if you're in community, praise God and nurture that community. But I'm always hearing from people who say, I'm finding it hard to connect with people. And if that's you, I want to encourage you, take a step of faith because community and groups is where life happens. And we want that because God wants to reveal himself in and through the entire body. But we believe it happens best in groups. I mean, think about what we're doing here. There's people who, who lead us in music. I lead us in a study. So you only have a handful of people who God can reveal himself through. Because of the size. If we just put an open mic out there, some of you people would love it. Nobody would get anything out of it. Because everyone would have something to share, right? Except those would be like, I ain't getting on the mic in church, right? So groups is where it happens. And so we believe in the church gathered and scattered. And so be in community. It's so important. Why? Because God wants to reveal himself through you to other people and through other people to you in community. So if you're finding yourself, hey, I'm not really connected, take a step of faith. If you are connected, then praise God. Now, I always tell people this when it comes to community. Community is messy. You know why? Because we are messy. Community is messy because you're hard to love and so am I. But that's the beauty. God, he's the God of the mess. We shouldn't be afraid of it getting a little messy because we all realize we're a little messy. If you don't believe me, just read Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. We're all messy. So don't be afraid of how messy it can be, but it's what God has called us to. So first we are apocalyptic. Now, notice what it says next. It says, verse 18, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Now, if there was ever a battleground verse 
for Christianity in its, all of its different flavors, it's this verse, right? That I say to you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. What's interesting is everybody wants to argue Peter's place. It's so easy to neglect the greater statement here. Notice what it says. You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. See, this is not so much about Peter. It's about the fact that we have an architect and a general contractor. Jesus is building his church. Jesus is building his church. And that's a powerful thing, that not only is he the Messiah, and not only is he desiring to reveal himself in and through you, through other people and yourself by the power of the Spirit, but Jesus is in the process of building his church. He's the architect. He's the general contractor. And that's a powerful thing, that Jesus is building his own church. He loves his church. He's in the process of building it. Now, what do we do with what it says about Peter? I think there's three primary ways to interpret this. First, that Peter is a rock on which Jesus builds his church. And I'm here to tell you, I think that's actually true. Because here Peter is the spokesperson for the apostles. In Acts chapter 2, when they're filled with the Spirit, who preaches the first sermon? Peter. Now, do we believe that Peter was the first pope? And there's papal succession? Know what the answer is to that? No. And we don't believe that Peter was infallible because, I mean, we used to read our Bibles, right? And as I like to say, they don't call it a papal bull for nothing. Think about it. It's good. Don't worry about it. It'll come later. You'll be like, oh, never mind. But Peter was the spokesperson for the early church. God used him in a special way. So do we believe Peter had a special place? Absolutely. That's one interpretation. Second, Jesus is saying, on this rock himself, he'll build the church. And you know what? That's true too. We find that Jesus is the chief cornerstone of the church, the stone which the builders refuse, that Jesus is the rock. The whole church is fitted around Jesus. He himself is the rock. That's a great, I think that's true too. Third interpretation, the rock on which Jesus is building his church is Peter's testimony that Jesus is the Messiah. And guess what? That's true also. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. I think all those interpretations are actually pretty right on. Because Jesus does use Peter in a unique way in the early church. He is, Jesus is the chief cornerstone by which the church is built. And the testimony that Jesus is the Messiah is the foundation of the church. So all of those are right. But maybe more importantly, as I've already said, is the fact that Jesus is building his church and Jesus uses people. That's a powerful thing. He's an architect and a general contractor, but he wants to use people. So we have an architect Right Now look at what happens next as we keep going. In the middle of verse 18, it says, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Now the gates of Hades is a Hebrew way of saying death. The gates of death, the gates of the afterlife will not prevail against the church. Now think about what that means. That means that we are invincible. And that's pretty awesome, isn't it? That when you or I are filled with the Holy Spirit about the work of God as part of the people of God, because of the finished work of Jesus, we can't be killed. And I don't know about you, I'd live much differently if I was invincible. Right? If you realize, look, nothing can conquer the church of Jesus Christ. Now, I remember when I first read this, I thought about what it meant. I thought to myself, you know, I think I want to be a part of that. Right? 
I, I think that's kind of like a logical conclusion. If the people of God are ultimately invincible, then I think you want to be a part of that, don't you? I mean, yeah, it's okay. Death can't prevail against it. Why? Because Jesus conquered sin and death. He conquered the grave. He conquered the grave. And so we always have to remember that the work that we do in Jesus' name, we're invincible. Sure, and the church will change forms and will look differently with each passing season. If you look at church history, the church is always adjusting it how it looks. But ultimately, the church can't be conquered. Even though the church can't be conquered, when you have buildings and such, they can go into disrepair. But don't miss the fact, if, even if the building falls apart, the church is invincible. You've got to always remember that, right? If you don't have a building, it doesn't matter because the church is invincible. It's invincible. Now, from there, look at what Jesus says, verse 19. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, because of this phrase, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, some people believe that when you die, you're going to see Peter. He's going to be the doorman of the pearly gates. Now, I know you guys don't believe that because you guys have read your Bible, right? Because Peter's not going to be the doorman at the party. He's going to be inside the party and only by sheer grace because of the work of Jesus. You realize that? When he says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven, what that means is that we are on mission. We are on mission. That Jesus has given the keys to his car, so to speak, to his kids, the church. Now, how many of you have teenage kids who are starting to drive? Raise your hand. We're praying for you guys. Pray in. My kids are young. I can't even fathom. My kids are never going to drive. But I don't want to show them around for the rest of their life either. So it's a, it, I know it's a sweet spot, right? It's like terrifying and like, man, I don't have to drive them everywhere. But listen, if you give your kids your car keys, it's not their car. It's your car. You're just trusting them with it. So when he says, I give them the keys to the kingdom of heaven, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What that means is that we have been entrusted with the mission of Jesus. He's including us in the work he's doing. That we are on mission with what God is doing in this generation, in our community, and in our world. And we're so aware of that, that in our vision statement, because Jesus is real, we are transforming our community and our world. That's why we have that in there, because we realize that Jesus is saying, you're my church, and I want to use you in this generation. Think about what Easter is about. Easter is about people being set free. It's what the whole thing is that you and I were slaves of sin and death, and because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, what? We've been set free from that bondage. And so all the work that we're going to do is all in relationships to prisoners being set free or people being delivered from bondage. And we just want to overwhelm people with the reality that Jesus sets people free. Jesus is the Messiah, right? And because of that, we're apocalyptic, right? We're invincible. We have an architect and we are on mission with Jesus. And because we are the church, now in verse 21, look at what happens. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised 
the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, for you are an offense to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Now think about this. Jesus just said, they said, you're the Messiah, he said, and you're the church, and we're on mission together. And then he said, listen, what you have to realize about what my plan is, is that I need to go to Jerusalem, I need to be betrayed, I need to die, and I need to be resurrected from the grave. So the mission of Jesus is a salvation plan, and it comes through his death and his resurrection. But I want you to notice how Peter responds to that. Peter says, no way. Far be it from you, Lord. Peter rebukes the Messiah. It's nuts, right? And then you read it, you think, man, Peter's way out there. And then you realize that we all do the same thing, right? You guys realize that we say no, Lord, all the time. Jesus says, look, I want you to do this. And you say, no way. No, 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 no. Right? See, Peter didn't understand the Messiah. He knew Jesus was the Messiah. He didn't understand what the Messiah was doing. He didn't understand what the plan was. And the plan had everything to do with the death and resurrection of Jesus. And that's why this Easter season, we proclaim death and new life in Christ. We proclaim death and new life in Christ. And I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, you guys know who come here all the time. We proclaim death and new life in Christ when? Every day. Someone said to me, they're like, is that why you don't dress up for Easter? I'm like, exactly. Jesus resurrected every day. And if I think I need to be extra dressed up on Resurrection Sunday, every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. Every Monday is Resurrection Monday. Every Tuesday, Jesus is raised from the dead. And if I set the bar, I got to get dressed up for that. I'm going to be in a suit all the time. And that just doesn't work for me. (laughs) We proclaim death and new life in Christ. See, Peter didn't get it. It's funny. Peter heard the cross. He didn't even hear the resurrection. He's like, far be it from you, Lord. It's not possible. This can't happen to you. It's like he missed the fact that Jesus said, I'm going to die and I'm going to be resurrected from the dead. And Jesus said, look, you're a stumbling block to me. That's why he called him Satan, because Satan's a deceiver. And he's saying, look, you're trying to stumble me, because the cross wasn't easy for Jesus. And we're going to talk about that. But the cross wasn't easy for Jesus. It cost him everything that we might have life. And brothers and sisters, we proclaim that message 24 hours a day, seven days a week, everywhere we are. One invite can change a life. We believe that God has surrounded us with neighbors and coworkers and friends and enemies and people we haven't met yet so that we, just as God has given us life in Jesus, we might share that life. And we believe that one invite can change a life. How many of you were invited to follow Jesus or heard about Jesus just from someone just willing to say, hey, come on, come check this out. How many of you? See, look, imagine if that person didn't realize that one invite could change a life. It would never happen. Statistics tell us that 7 out of 10 people will go to church with their friends or neighbors if they're only invited. Jesus is real. Peter didn't understand what Jesus was saying about his impending death. He knew who Jesus was, but Peter didn't understand what the Messiah was doing. 
As Pastor Daniel reminded us, we do the same thing. We need to trust the Lord. Giving is one of the central themes in the Bible. Believe it or not, it's the main subject of nearly half of the parables that Jesus taught. Like prayer and serving others, money is an outlet of spiritual power. When it's released into ministry, God does amazing things with it. To understand what it means to be a Christ follower, we must also understand what it means to be a giver. Please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly supporter of Jesus is Real Radio. For more information, log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel Fusco here of Jesus Is Real Radio. I got some special news. I'm so stoked. My new book called Honestly, Getting Real About Jesus and Our Messy Lives is available on pre-order right now. You might say, why'd you write the book, Daniel? Well, simply because this, life is messy, but Jesus is real. And we need to talk honestly about both sides of that coin. So get the book now. It's available on pre-order at honestlybook.com or wherever books are sold. I can't wait for you to read it. God bless you. Join Pastor Daniel in the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio when we'll learn how Jesus sets the bar as the Messiah when he goes to Jerusalem, championed as the Savior of Israel. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series entitled This Just Got Real next time. Jesus is